It's a top selector. Due to some violent content, parental discretion is advised. I know you're gonna dig this. Monday, 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 Mano a Mano with me, Hermano, Kenny T. How's it going, Kenny? Can't complain, brother. Always good, always happy, man. Chilling. You already know. That's what's up. That's what's up. So it's a big, big, big weekend of boxing, especially if you are in the mood for undisputed fights, which I've always been hoping we'd see all year. There were a number of different fights. This year, that was supposed to bring us the undisputed championships. Taylor Ramirez was one. Uh, we're going to get into the mess that has become Fury and Joshua, now Fury and Wilder later. All right. And, you know, undisputed fights are what we as boxing fans are supposed to really be looking forward to the most, right? Uh, these are supposed to be the biggest events, all of the chips on the table, all of the belts up for grabs, all of the gold on the line. And that's what we got to see on Saturday night. I'm going to play a little bit of, uh, of audio of that so we can kind of remember the memory of Saturday. Nice catch and shoot. puts it down. What a shot. Josh Taylor. I don't think Ramirez fully over, uh, overcame that and recovered from it. And I think So I'm going to get into a couple of the knockdowns later, Kenny. But what were your thoughts of this fight going into the fight and what were your thoughts of the fight during the fight and what were your thoughts of the fight after the fight well i i knew that josh taylor was a beast from that pro grade fight you know pro is a really good fighter and josh taylor made pro grade look just regular you know although you know pro grade did damage that eye pretty badly but josh taylor really just picked him apart in my opinion made him look regular I think he's a great fighter. Ramirez, I actually didn't know much about Ramirez, but I had to go back and look at some tape and look at his record. And Ramirez is a very accomplished, solid-ass fighter, too. You know, I was very upset at Taylor and how emotional he was with uh, uh, Ramirez's manager and stuff like that. Like, you know, I get it. You know, it's boxing, lots of emotions. It's a fighting sport. I 100% get it. But the, the, the manager is not going to fight you. He's not going to. Oh, talk big. He's like, he, the manager can say whatever the hell he wants. It's like commentators can say whatever the hell they want. If it was another boxer he was pressing, I'd be good with that. But moving on from that, I expected it to be an amazing fight. And before the fight, I hadn't chosen who I thought was going to win or anything like that. But I was hoping that Ramirez would have put a hurting on him because of those emotions that he showed towards Ramirez's manager. Although I knew that Taylor was a beast. Yeah, well, it was interesting, right? Because... In this fight, you had two guys, each holding two belts, right? Obviously, Ramirez being WBC, WBO, Taylor being IBF, uh, WBA. And they went into this fight as two undefeated guys, two guys that have put down big-time, big-name opponents, all right? Uh, they had both beaten um, a bunch of top-quality guys, all right? And they both came into this fight with Olympic pedigree and with high-level boxing skills. And it was always a situation where people were presenting it as the boxer in Taylor and his path to victory being boxing and Ramirez, his uh, path to victory being kind of a pressure fighter, a, a body puncher. And 
what I was saying all along is that this whole narrative of, of, you know, the Euro guy, the Scottish guy getting folded up, you know, kind of wiltering under an, an assault, that that really wasn't what was going to happen here. I After the pro-grade fight, uh, I was convinced that Taylor was actually a dog. Like, he can take a punch and he actually likes to fight. Yes, he can box, but he's every much the dog as, as Ramirez. And what... <laughs> I'll say about Taylor, this dude has no mercy in front of elevators and he has no mercy in the ring. And I think that was displayed when he landed that uppercut, that second knockdown. Kenny, what were your thoughts when you saw that? Man, the guy is extremely skilled. He was he was setting Ramirez up. Ramirez was trying to get in and, and, and do the brawling thing, as you were saying, trying to get him into the body, trying to really close in and smother his punches. But Taylor, man, he, he kept on pushing a little bit, moving back, moving back just enough to get a nice little shot in just, and when he hit him, the first time he knocked him down with that straight, that was, that was a fucking great knockdown. He clocked him right on the chin and, and he went down the second one with the uppercut. He pushed back a little bit. He got him. Man, Taylor is a beast. Taylor is a savage. Ramirez is also amazing, but Taylor shows you. Taylor showed you that he can both box and he can bang. Uh, and that he's also extremely smart with the moves that he was doing. Even towards the end, when Ramirez was trying to hurt him, he kept, he started like he knew the, the the fight had been won already. So he had he started kind of moving away and, and and just getting him a big nice shots, nice open shots, but not really exerting all the energy that he was earlier in the fight. Absolutely, and I just want to shout out Raider LA, A Rod, Andre, uh, D Style, everybody else here, the goat. Thank you so much for joining us. All of these people are members of the HCP family, uh, holding it down. Uh, HCP's got a great schedule Monday uh, through Friday, and uh, always a pleasure to have all of you uh, members of the family here joining us live. So I actually want to share some video real quick about this knockdown because it seems to have caused like a little bit of controversy, and I just want to have a look at it real quick. This is obviously taken from a cell phone uh, ringside, and here we go. Oh, let's back it up just a little bit here. Oh, do you see any problem with that, Kenny? And I can play with some audio so we can look at it. Oh, right. here. All right. What's up, five fans, man? Let's so, go into oh, this. Let's get that, get that out of the way. So, Kenny, go ahead. The only problem that I see there is... Uh the ref being a fool and saying something, not stepping in or, but I think what Josh Taylor did was just fine. He pushed back with just enough space and he snuck that uppercut in. It, it, it's, some people call it dirty fighting. I don't think it's dirty fighting. Sean Porter does stuff like this all the time. He just used a skill and a technique that people didn't know him to use regularly. Yeah, I mean, I blame this, honestly, uh, I'd say about 95% Jose Ramirez, because, you know, you do have to protect yourself at all times. And he clearly was not protecting himself in that exchange. But I also got to lay a lot of blame here on Kenny Big-Ass Bayless. All right? Uh, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Hands up. He's got some kind of OCD issues where he always needs to touch people. He cannot referee a fight without getting handsy and touching people. And ass-cocked 45 degrees at all times. Uh, always having his ass in the middle of the camera angle, in the way, trying to be the big man in front of the uh, the audience. I don't get it. And 
why the hell did he touch Jose Ramirez here? Like, wh what's the reason for touching him? The, the, the instructions of a boxing referee are clear. Box, stop, break. That's it. There's no need to touch anybody. Uh, but let me bring in H Money, Mr. DeZone himself. Uh, wow, you got the Michigan basketball uh, top on. You know that's my favorite team. You probably didn't know it, but it is. Way back in the five, five days. How's it going, H Money? What's good, Maestro? How you doing, my brother? How's the other brother on the panel? What's good, Kenny? What's good? Yo, yo, what's good, H Money? It's a pleasure. Man, me too, man. Thanks for having me, Maestro, bro. Let's 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 get it. So thank you for being here. So I'll just run it back to what we were talking about. So going into the fight, you were one of the people. I was another one who had picked Josh Taylor, who had believed that Josh Taylor could stand and hold his ground, send a ring, uh, not just box, but also fight if he needed to and get engaged in the rough and tough stuff with uh, Jose Ramirez. Uh you said that going into the fight. You were right about that. What were your thoughts on the fight, H-Money? It, it was a great fight. You know, it was one of the best fights I've seen in a very long time. Um, both fighters, they gave 110%. Um, it was it was pretty close in the beginning. I thought Josh Taylor won, won the first round for sure, the first two rounds. But Jose Ramirez started putting the pressure on Josh Taylor. He started landing some hard body shots. He landed a couple of le left hooks. I believe he hurt Josh Taylor around round number four or round number five. And uh, Josh Taylor, like a true champion, made his adjustments. Now, I picked Josh Taylor because I believed he had better skills, and that's what he showed. He showed that he was faster. He showed that he was the better boxer. And Josh Taylor showed that he's a great fighter. He's a great fighter. And now, you know, congratulations to Josh Taylor being an undisputed champion. You know, so he deserves all the credit, I believe, in the world, bro. He showed off the power as well. The beautiful uppercut, you know, on the inside. I love that uppercut. He caught Jose Ramirez lacking. We all know the number one, number one rule in boxing is to protect yourself at all times. Now, you, you got to protect yourself at all times. Josh Taylor, he did what he had to do. Like I said, it was a beautiful uppercut. And then he dropped him with a, a, a left hook, you know, a beautiful left hook. Beautiful counterpunching by Josh Taylor, bro. And Jose Ramirez is a true champion. You know, he's still a true champion. He took his loss like a man. And uh, I appreciate both fighters. Absolutely. So moving moving forward, uh, the questions are, where does Josh Taylor go from here? And we've heard names like Terrence Crawford. We've heard names like Teofimo Lopez. Uh We've heard names like Jack Catterall, which is going to be his mandatory, I believe, with the WBO. I think that uh, defense is due uh, next. My view is that, and you guys obviously are here to disagree with me as well as, as, as shoot your shit, but if I was managing Josh Taylor, what I would do is I would get him that defense, all right, and my next move would be for him to take on Teofimo or uh believe it or not Devin Haney and the reason I say Devin Haney is because I'm now starting to come into the camp of H money and many others that he actually should take on Devin Haney before moving up so um it, it lines up kind of well you got Josh Taylor Catterall you've got uh, Teofimo Lopez Haney and then then you can you can have that that kind of mega fight, Kenny. What what are your thoughts? Where should he go next? Uh, I think he should stay right where he's at for a little bit. I do think he should fight a mandatory. Uh, I think that uh, 
he needs to. I think that I would like to see another fight with Ramirez. Like I told you before, maybe if uh, like Ramirez and Pro Gray fought each other, then maybe the winner of that fight could get another shot against Taylor. Just because um, there's still the the doubters out there, uh, and I just feel like I don't want to see him move up in weight just yet and fight Crawford. Like why? And I don't think that uh, if Teofimo came up. It, it, you were going to hear that about, oh, he's cherry picking the guy from the, the lighter guy from the lighter division. If he wins and all, you know, we, I, I don't want to hear any of that shit. So I, I'd rather see him do a couple of defenses, uh, maybe fight one of these uh, opponents one, one more time before he does move up onto the next wave. Because you know what? If he got all the belts, what else is there for him besides fighting newcomers in, in, in the same weight division? Eventually, he does have to move up, but I don't think he should fight Crawford right away. That's not going to happen. I don't think it should happen. I think that's a very bad move if, for, if his manager were, was to do that. And you waste money? Yeah, uh, me uh, personally, I would like to see um, Josh Taylor move up to 147 pounds and challenge Terrence Crawford for um, for the welterweight title. You know, um, I believe Josh Taylor proved everything at 140 pounds. He has nothing else to prove over there. He beat all the top guys from Jose Ramirez, Regis Pro Grace, Victor Postal, Ivan Baracek. He he won the World Boxing Super Series. He won the tournament, and then he fought the last champion, Jose Ramirez. Now, um, I mean, when Terrence Crawford was undisputed at 140, Terrence Crawford moved up to 147 after he won the undisputed title. After Alexander Usyk became undisputed champion at cruiserweight, he moved up to heavyweight because he had nothing else to prove. So uh, I think that's the fight to make. Um, even uh, Josh Taylor, during his post-fight press conference, they asked him, what do you want next? He said, I want I want to move up and I want to become uh, a two-division world champion. I want to move up and fight the number one fighter pound for pound on some people's list, which is Terrence Bud Crawford. So I think that's the best fight right there. And also, you know, shout outs to uh, Beeb, Beeb from the Ringside Reporter. He talked about how Josh Taylor is struggling to make 140. He's struggling to make 140. He's outgrowing the weight. Why not move up to 147 pounds and challenge Terrence Crawford? That would be a great fight. Right now, Josh Taylor is currently top five pound for pound after beating Jose Ramirez and becoming undisputed. Terrence Crawford, some people got him number one pound for pound. Some people got Canelo. But that would be a fight between two fighters in the top five pound for pound. A fight between two undefeated champions. A fight between two undisputed champions. So I think it makes for a great fight for me personally. As a fight fan, I could definitely agree that it would be an amazing fight. Two pound for pound uh Fighters, like you said, if you if you don't have Josh Taylor up there on a pound for pound list and you have a pound for pound list and you really don't know much about boxing because dude has proved himself to be elite, elite, elite in the sport. I did not know that Josh Taylor was having trouble making weight um, because if he doesn't have problems making weight, I don't see why he should be moving up in weight to solve problems for top rank. Top rank has a problem right now with finding fights for Terrence Crawford. Terrence Crawford does not have any name opponents out there. And to be honest, Terrence Crawford, to me, while he may be a pound-for-pound -pound guy on a lot of people's lists, he really has not done much as of yet at the welterweight division. He's beaten who? He's beaten Jeff Horn. He's beaten um, 
Jose Benavides Jr. He's beating uh, 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 Kavalishkis. He's off the top of my head, and he's beating Kell Brook, right? I mean, those are not the top dudes in the welterweight division. So he's a name. He doesn't sell as much as some of the other welterweights. Actually, really just one in, ter- in, in, in Spence. And I think that from a business perspective, I'm just looking at it from business, which maybe I should not be doing, but I always look at things from a fan and then from kind of a business perspective. The business for me is Teofimo Lopez. Uh, if he finishes up his business at 135 pounds. And the reason I say Devin Haney is only because I think if he beats a Devin Haney, that becomes a bigger fight. But I'm seeing I'm seeing Kenny shaking his head about Devin Haney. We'll talk about him later. What are your thoughts so far? Actually, why don't we just go into that right now? Devin Haney, Devin Haney is uh, ha- has work uh, ahead of him this weekend. He's going to be taking on uh, Linares, obviously. Uh, he claims to hold the last piece to the undisputed puzzle at 135. It's interesting that when you go to Wikipedia, uh, Teofimo Lopez is not listed as an undisputed champion. Only Josh Taylor is. Um so, yeah, Kenny, your thoughts on Devin the Dream Haney uh, and your thoughts on this fight that's taking place Saturday live on DAZN. Uh, Devin the Dream Haney, uh, he moves very well, Does hasn't really shown to have power. Uh, he, he looks like he's definitely put on some good muscle on him. Maybe, who knows? Maybe he's going to come out this next fight against Lyra's and look savage. Uh, he's doing what Ryan Garcia should be doing. Uh, but I don't think that that I would like to see that fight. I, I would not like to see Josh Taylor and Devin Haney. Devin Haney is unproven in my eyes, if you ask me. He's skillful, but unproven. Uh, I would not like to see that. As So this Saturday, Jorge Linares is getting old, man. He's gotten knocked out a couple of times recently. I think Devin Haney is good, definitely going to win this fight, but I don't think he's going to win by knockouts. I think it's going to be a 12-round decision, a nice little flashy, you know, his little, his best Mayweather impression. And I think that's how he's going to get his his win against Linares this weekend. Any thoughts about his work with Ben Davidson? He, he's brought on Ben Ben Davidson as part of the team. You think that's going to help him out? I mean, I, I, I don't know. Uh, a lot of people are using Ben Davidson recently. Tyson Fury was the first fighter he worked with. I can't, I mean, Taylor used Ben Davidson too, right? So I don't really, I don't really got too much words about Ben Davidson. I hope it does some type of difference for, for his uh, strength, uh, which, cause that's what Ben Davidson originally was a personal trainer, not a boxing trainer. So who knows? Maybe, maybe Ben Davidson helped him get his muscle up and hopefully, hopefully we see some type of, uh, at least a knockdown on Linares this weekend. H Money, I know you're a big Devin the Dream Haney fan, and I definitely think he's got skills. What do you think of him going into this fight on Saturday against Linares? H Money looks to me like H Money's frozen, actually. So I'll yeah. give I'll give my I'll give my thoughts on on uh, on it uh, right now. Look, Devin Haney's clearly a talented guy. Uh, he seems to come from kind of the Floyd Mayweather school uh, of of defensive fighting. Um, but what I've said about him in the past is something that other people have noted as well. He has mimicked Money Mayweather in terms of his style more than he's mimicked Pretty Boy Mayweather. Uh, Pretty Boy Mayweather 
had punching power, could knock people out. Uh, he punched in volume. You want to see some of the flashiest multi-punch combinations you'll see on YouTube. Look up some of his older fights when he was fighting at 130, uh, 135. Once he got up there in weight, uh, he slowed the pace down. As he got older, he's turned into more of a slow-to-pace-down, pot-shot type of fighter. And that is who I saw Devin Haney as when he took on Uriorcus Gamboa, a guy who was literally tailor-made to get out of there. Gamboa is a chinny fighter. He was small for 126 pounds. Uh, he did not look very good against Javante Davis. And Devin Haney went 12 rounds with him. So it's interesting to me that he's brought in uh, um, Ben Davidson. Ben Davidson's known as a defensive-minded kind of trainer and a very tactical kind of guy. I think Devin Haney's boxing IQ is already up there. Uh, maybe he can be refined a little bit in certain areas. But I think w what what is needed in Devin Haney uh, right now is that kind of killer instinct to get guys like Gamboa out of there. Uh, what are your thoughts on Ben Davidson being part of the team H money and uh, basically the fight this Saturday against Linares? Yeah, um, I'm excited that uh, Devin Haney is fighting this Saturday. I'm looking forward to another great performance. Like Devin Haney is only 22 years old. He's younger than Tiafimo Lopez, Ryan Garcia, Gervonta Looks like we lost age Yo, can money. Can you hear there. me, bro? Yeah, I can hear Fuck. you. I can hear you. That's okay. Go ahead, bro. We can hear you. Uh, pause the camera and just talk on the mic. That way uh, we could potentially hear you and your bandwidth doesn't uh, cut off again. London H London Hook combo of the day. My man out there in the UK is saying Floyd versus Endu was amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Raw Boxing TV, thank you for joining us, bro. Look, for some of the best content out there, in terms of the breakdowns of the fight, intellectual streams and conversations, you got to check out my man, Raw Boxing TV. He's one of the best out there doing it. So phone lines are open. I'm also going to drop the link in the chat in case anybody wants to join us here live so you can participate in this discussion. Haney, again, very tactical, defensive-minded, very efficient, pot-shotting kind of fighter right now. Interesting to me because he's a young guy, all right? Um, and I would like to see him be a little bit more aggressive. And what's interesting, too, is that Ben Davidson was replaced by Sugar Hill by Tyson Fury, specifically because Tyson Fury wanted kind of a more offensive style uh, to his game. And Josh Taylor has admitted that he brought Ben Davidson in because Josh Taylor's a hothead, as we saw Um you know, at the elevator, at, at the at the hotel in Las Vegas. And the worry was that he wouldn't be able to fight disciplined over 12 rounds. So these are things that I think Devin Haney already does very well. So it's interesting that he brought uh, Ben Davidson into the team. And I'm, I'm interested again in H-Money because H-Money is very close to that camp um, in terms of H-Money, your thoughts on, uh, again, Devin Haney going into this fight and what uh, – his his new co-trainer or trainer Ben Davidson can bring uh, to the equation. Could, could you hear me? Yeah, we can. Yeah. Okay, good. So uh, this uh, this is how I feel about the situation now. Ben Davidson, he's one of the best young trainers in boxing. He just uh you know coach he just coached Josh Taylor 
and help Josh Taylor become an undisputed champion. Uh, ben Davidson, he definitely has uh, experience in big fights with Tyson Fury and uh, Billy Joe Saunders, you know, and uh, I think, you know, Ben Davidson can only help help a young fighter like Devin Haney, you know, and uh, the thing is this, Bill Haney will be the lead trainer uh, on uh, the fight between Devin Haney and Jorge Linares. Devin Haney, uh, his father, Bill Haney, is still the lead trainer. So uh, I'm not sure if Ben Davidson is going to be in the corner for this fight. I, I heard that he's not. So, um, you know, they were just getting some work in. Ben Davidson was helping them, you know, uh, tighten up some things. And I, I think it's going to help them. More than likely, it's going to help. So uh, as far as Linares, the Linares fight, it's a very good fight for a young fighter like Devin Haney. Like I said earlier, Devin Haney is only 22 years old. He's younger than Tiafimo Lopez, Ryan Garcia, and Gervonta Davis. This is a good step-up fight. I know Devin Haney, he's been, uh, he's been uh, criticized in the past for not fighting uh, lightweights in the top 10. Now, Jorge Linares, in the he is in the top 10. He is a former uh, four-time world champion who fought the best fighters in boxing, Vasily Lomachenko. You know what I mean? Jorge Linares, he dropped Vasily Lomachenko with a right hand. And even Tiafimo Lopez wasn't able to drop uh, Vasily Lomachenko. So we know Linares is a very tough fighter. He beat Luke Campbell. He beat. He's the first man to beat Luke Campbell. He beat Luke Campbell before Ryan Garcia did it. So Ryan Garcia, he got all the credit in the world for beating Luke Campbell. Now, Jorge Linares beat Luke Campbell first. So I feel like if Devin Haney is able to go beat him, Devin Haney should get some credit. And people should, um, you know, stop saying that he hasn't beat a top 10 lightweight because Jorge Linares is a top 10 lightweight. So uh, we got to give this man his credit. I heard Kenny say that um, he, he wants to see Devin Haney get a knockout. And uh, I guarantee a knockout in this fight, Kenny. You know, I talked to his father, Bill Haney, and uh, we talking about getting a stoppage. In uh, Devin Haney's last fight against Gamboa, Devin Haney fought with a broken hand. So Kid Austin, who uh, Kid Austin, who sparred Devin Haney, he confirmed that Devin Haney sparred him with a broken hand. And Kid Austin said Devin Haney fought Gamboa with a broken hand, and he said that boy is tough. He's a tough fighter. He showed a lot of heart for that. So now you got Devin Haney coming in 100%. He's healthy. No excuses. Let's go get this stoppage. And I guarantee an eighth-round knockout from Devin Haney with a body shot. He's going to go to the body, and he's going to break him down. And Devin Haney, he's going to show no respect for Jorge Linares. Like you brother said, you want to see a killer? You want to see the, the animal instinct? He's going to show it. I told his dad, no respect May 29th. For Jorge Linares. Wow. Bro, bro, you got me hype right now. Yeah. They got to give you a contract over there at the zone, Mr. The zone, because everybody in the chat right now is hyped about this fight after just hearing that. Uh, honestly, that's the first I heard that he had a broken hand. So that's good inside information there because I watching that fight, I just didn't understand why he didn't press it, why he didn't try to go for the KO, why he didn't really just walk down Gamboa and try to get him up out of there because, again, Gamboa was a guy who I felt was kind of tailor-made for him to kind of get that KO against. I was at the fight uh, here at the Garden in New York City where he dropped Lomachenko. I got out of my seat. Uh, he looked really good in that fight. 
So if Devin Haney gets this win, um, he deserves a lot of credit for it, especially if he can do what uh, you just outlined, which is get a convincing stoppage. And I'm, I'm obviously looking forward to this fight, and uh, I, I hope it's as exciting as, as it's sounding it, uh, like it will be. Now, H-Money, I'm going to go right back to you with this next one. What are your thoughts on Pac-Man coming out? He's a senator. He's already an all-time great, all right? To me, he's one of the best ever to lace up gloves in any uh, in any context, any era, and he's coming out to take on Errol Spence. What are your thoughts? Or what were your thoughts when you heard the announcement of this fight? Um, I'm excited for that fight as well. Um, Manny Pacquiao shows that he wants to fight the best. Even at 42 years old, if you look at the career of Manny Pacquiao, he has accomplished some things no fighter has ever done before, being an eight-division world champion. The man fought the best from Marco Antonio Barrera, Eric Morales. You talk about fighters like Floyd Mayweather, you know, Shane Mosley, Miguel Cotos, Ricky Hattis, Antonio Margaritos, Joshua Claudis, Keith Thurmans. Manny Pacquiao fought them all from every era. And um, this just says a lot about the character of Manny Pacquiao, fighting the young lions in the game and not looking for an easy way out. So Manny Pacquiao, he deserves the utmost respect from everybody in the sport of boxing. Manny Pacquiao is a legend. He's an all-time great. And, uh, you know, he's following the footsteps of uh, the legends of the past like Bernard Hopkins. Bernard Hopkins at 42 years old when he dominated undisputed middleweight champion Kelly Pavlik. When Bernard Hopkins was 43 years old and he destroyed Antonio Tarver. You know, so Manny Pacquiao is following the footsteps of the legends of the past. And these were the this is what the true champions do. Fight the best, no matter what their age is. You know, I remember Larry Holmes at 42 years old beating down Ray Mercer, giving Ray Mercer a boxing lesson. And, you know, Manny Pacquiao, he believes in his skills. He believes in the talent. And, you know, I think it's going to be a great fight. Absolutely. And this man right there below us, I used to get into so many arguments with him about Manny having to fight Terrence Crawford, Manny having to fight Errol Spence. I'm like, Kenny, leave Manny Pacquiao alone, man. Manny Pacquiao's old. Manny Pacquiao doesn't need to be getting into these wars. Manny Pacquiao is a senator. Manny Pacquiao has already proven himself in the sport of boxing. And then you know what happened? Manny Pacquiao took on one of Kenny's favorite fighters, Keith One-Time Thurman, and whoa, then whoa, 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 whoa. business on One-Time Thurman. Kenny used to look exactly like One-Time Thurman and <laughs> with the long hair and everything else. The only thing missing was a little ukulele and a little flu. But uh, Pacquiao did the, did the business on Keith one time, Thurman. And I'll be honest, since he did that, I've actually been convinced that he can hold his own against these younger guys. Kenny, what are your thoughts? Pacquiao is a motherfucking legend, and he's going to continue being legend. He's legendary. He, he continues moving like, like he's moving godly right now, bro. Like, he's, he's, he's old, and he's still out here destroying these young guys. Like, he, he he damn near ended Keith Thurman's career. Keith Thurman went on a hiatus after that fight. Keith Thurman is inactive right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's he's amazing. I, I, I got nothing but respect for the man. 
on the other end of the spectrum, I think that Spence has a, a lot for, for Pacquiao to deal with, just based off of the, the style that he fights with, you know, the the length. Like, Manny, Manny Pacquiao got short arms. Manny Pacquiao is a smaller guy at 147. Keith, uh, not Keith Thurman, excuse me. Spence is a big dude with long reach, with a lot of power. So, you know, I, I won't give my opinion on the fight just yet. I, I'll wait if, uh, uh, to hear a little more commentary. Uh, uh, but I think you guys see where I'm leaning. Uh, Pacquiao's a legend. He's a guy. Keep going in the sport of boxing. Keep doing what you're doing. That, that he's doing what Floyd Mayweather should have done and didn't do. Floyd Mayweather was more uh, interested in not losing the O. Fuck the O. It's about being legendary, and that's what Manny Pacquiao's doing. So if he, he's active, and he's still fighting the best right now. I mean, look... Uh, <laughs> I, it, this goes without saying, but Pacquiao would have fucked up tension, the, you know, the flyweight out of Japan. He would have fucked up Conor McGregor worse than Floyd did, way worse than Floyd did. And he definitely fucked up uh, Logan Paul. So that's the caliber of guy that Floyd's been facing. And when you look at the caliber of person that Pacquiao's been facing, it's you cannot deny the dude's greatness from where he came from. Right. All the divisions he fought through, you he never ducked anybody. You know, Floyd didn't fight Margarito. He took him on. Right. Uh, Floyd, fought, uh, he, he took on all of the guys that Floyd took on for the most part. Guys like Cotto, guys like Haddon. Uh, but look at the differences in terms of the outcome. So, you know, Floyd and him faced off. Uh, that was what it was. I, I don't know how much the injury and whatever played it. it uh, like into that outcome, but I'll tell you this: on my scale of my ranking historically, I've got Pacquiao ahead of Floyd, and if he if he defeats Keith Thurman, that one hundred percent solidifies it. And Timothy Bradley, so he also fought Timothy Bradley, another young fighter that Floyd didn't fight. Absolutely, absolutely. The only fight that I was a little bothered that didn't happen with Pac Man was the Terrence Crawford fight. And I don't know if that was really Pac-Man's fault. It seems like uh, uh, Bob Arum is just destroying Terrence Crawford's career. Terrence Crawford needs to get the hell away from ESPN's top rank. Well, you know what's interesting about that, Kenny? Uh, I agree with you, and then I don't agree with you. The reason I agree with you is, yes, he's going nowhere with top rank. The reason I disagree with you, he re-upped on his contract. He could have gone over to the PBC, but... Top rank gave him a good contract. It's the same contract that Bob Arum's complaining about, saying that he could have bought houses in Beverly Hills and all types of other stuff with what he's paying Terrence Crawford and he's losing money on them, et cetera. But in the top rank universe, there really aren't that many guys for Terrence Crawford to fight, which is why I think they're throwing out names like Josh Taylor because who's he going to fight at 147? They need guys to move up to face him. I, I think Crawford just needs to go over to PBC. That's 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 pretty much it. Because like you're saying, there is nobody for him to fight over at top rank. Bob Arum clearly doesn't give a fuck about him. And it's not like Terrence Crawford is a bad dude or a bad fighter. The guy is great. It's just that he's only sitting on the shelf getting older and older and older, fighting mandatories and such because his promoter is doing him dirty as F. And it's, it's actually, it really is his fault because he did re-up on that contract when it was ending, I think, a couple years ago or last year or something like that. 
Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of top rank, I do want to ask you guys about this situation with Fury, Wilder, Joshua, the heavyweight scene. Um, shout out to H Money, who's with us right here, uh, live, uh, uh, streaming with us. Thank you so much. My wife was so happy about the fact that I was going live with H Money and Kenny. She got me one of these, and I've been I've been sipping it. I can't know if you guys could tell, but I've been sipping a bubbly, toasting the fact that I'm live on my own channel, doing my own thing uh, with two two of my guys here, 8 p.m. Eastern. I'm going to be doing this regularly moving forward. So thank you guys for joining me. But back to what I was saying. Ace Money sent me a text earlier today, maybe a couple hours ago. He went right into the lion's den. Okay, he went right into the barbershop conversations and went at these clowns that have been dogging Tyson Fury, uh, besmirching that good man's name, uh, downgrading the Gypsy King, the baddest man on the planet, talking about how he's afraid to fight guys. He's not afraid to fight Joshua. He's not afraid to fight a guy that he already cleaned out twice in Deontay Wilder. He, he beat him up after losing 150 pounds in his home country at the Staples Center. Then he walked him down and knocked him the fuck out. Well, actually, Mark Breland saved him, if we're going to be fair, uh, in Las Vegas. I was on a channel earlier today. It's one of my favorite shows to watch on Mondays. It's called the uh, Undefeated Podcast out of London. A shout out to th those two guys that do that show. And there were a lot of Joshua fans, Joshua supporters on that show essentially now turning into kind of um, wilder guys and trying to say that, like, Fury's afraid of, of of Joshua and Fury's ducking Joshua and he doesn't want the smoke and all of these other things. Look, the reason that fight fell through is because of an arbitration process that was, that was a, a contractual thing. He was uh, – uh, Wilder was, was entitled to the third fight uh, – he, he had an injury. There was COVID. Things got delayed. Bob Arum tried to wiggle out of it, uh, said that the arbitration wouldn't be an issue, said that he'd be able to put together the fight with Joshua. Uh, that turned out to be false. If anybody needs to blame anybody, people should be pointing their fingers at Bob. They shouldn't be pointing their fingers at the fighter who literally just shows up to fight. So anyone out there who thinks that Fury's afraid to step into the ring, to lace up a pair of gloves and to give an ass whooping to Deontay Wilder, uh, I need some of that good stuff that you guys are smoking because that's just legal now in New York. I, I could toke up on this channel if I wanted to, and it would be nothing but uh, but but uh, but but blessings uh, on this side. Same thing with Joshua. He's not afraid of Joshua, and in matter of fact, once he's finished with 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 Deontay, he's going to step to Joshua and handle business over there. Now, I know you've had a, a, a back-and-forth relationship with the Gypsy King, Kenny. What are your thoughts on this whole heavyweight mess in the scene that's going on right now? I definitely don't think that Fury is ducking, uh, ducking AJ. That sounds foolish. That sounds idiotic. Bro, it's a legal thing. He got to fight Wilder a third time. It is what it is. It's, it, it's going to happen. How does that equal Fury dodging AJ? Like, What are these idiots thinking, bro? And, and I would definitely like to see uh, uh, Fury and Wilder a third time. I don't see anything wrong with that fight. Yeah, Fury uh, Wilder was talking a whole bunch of shit. 
so fucking what? It's just, it, it, so in my head, seems like a good fight. I would like to see if Wilder has done any developments uh, with his little uh, combo thing that we seen him in that little video clip that he dropped. But no, I don't think Fury's ducking, dodging anybody. Fury's great. Like, people just l- love to find something to talk shit about. It's, it, it's that simple. So, H-Money, I'm going to link to the vid you sent me earlier later on. But why don't you lay the scene and describe the context of what you were kind of rebutting and, and, and arguing against as it relates to this situation? See, the thing is this. Now, Tyson Fury, in the second fight, he dominated Deontay Wilder. He, he won the fight fair and square. He knocked down Deontay Wilder two times in the fight. He won every round, and he was a superior fighter. He was a superior boxer. Now, after the loss, we heard about excuse after excuse. We heard Deontay Wilder blame the costume that he tried on and said it was too heavy. And then he turned around and said he never said that. And then Kevin Ioli released the audio where Deontay Wilder did say the costume was too heavy. Now, he's been lying. Deontay Wilder has been making excuses. He lied to the fans, and uh, he lied about Mark Breland. Mark Breland, who was the most experienced trainer in his corner. Mark Breland, who's been there since day one, who taught you the right hand. He taught you your signature punch, which was the right hand. An Olympic gold medalist, Mark Breland, a two-time world champion, was thrown under the bus because Deontay Wilder lost the fight. Deontay Wilder, he's been looking for somebody to blame. In the first fight, he blamed the referee, Jack Reese, and said Jack Reese gave Deontay, uh, gave Tyson Fury a long count. And then in the second fight, he blamed Mark Breland. He blamed the costume. Then he blamed the referee of uh, Bayless. The referee uh, Bayless, he said Bayless was drunk. So it's obvious that Deontay Wilder doesn't know how to handle defeat. He doesn't know how to take his loss like a man. A true champion can take a loss and bounce back. A minor setback for a major comeback. What happened to that, Deontay Wilder? Stop crying. Get over it. Tyson Fury whooped your ass. We don't want to hear nothing about cheating and all of this bullshit. At the end of the day, you knew Tyson Fury had a history of PEDs before you fought him. You fought him after that. You knew he had a history, and you still fought him. And you still uh, said, I love Tyson Fury. Gave him a hug and gave him a kiss and called Tyson Fury your brother. But once Tyson Fury went in there and whooped your ass, now you start making excuses. So I lost all respect for Deontay Wilder. I can't wait for this third fight so Tyson Fury could put another dent in his head. Since they want to talk about dents in the head and loading gloves, Tyson Fury going to put another dent in your head, bro. And he going to end your career. For being a liar, he's gonna knock all the lies out you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, H Money? Uh, you're 100% on the money. And I tweeted something out last week. Uh, I've shared this stuff with Kenny. I'll, pop, I'll share it with you if you haven't seen it yet. But Kwame Brown, the former NBA player, has been on fucking fire all week long, uh, talking his shit, standing up for black men in this country. And uh, really laying the smack down on these, uh, you know, I'm just going to call them uh, cool niggas on, on, on shows like uh, like Steven Jackson. And uh, what's Becky with the good hair's name? I already forgot his name. 
Barnes. Uh, Matt Barnes. Becky with the good <laughs> So here's what I don't understand. This man presented himself as the king of all blacks. King of all black people. Uh, defending his throne. Went out there like it's Wakanda in the Black Panther in the rematch, walking his ass down to the ring. Right? But then... He's the first person to throw a black man under the bus when it suits his purposes. How are you the king of all black people and then you just throw Mark Breland under the bus? Mark Breland's an Olympic gold medalist. Mark Breland has taught countless black fighters how to throw a jab, how to throw a right cross, how to throw a left hook. He did that. As a matter of fact, he taught you how to do that, Deontay Wilder. He taught you how to throw a straight left. He taught you how to throw a straight right. And then you're going to accuse the man of spiking your water because what, you got knocked out by a white boy? Yeah, you did get knocked out by a white boy. But that white boy's got skills. That white boy whooped your ass. That white boy's a better fighter than you. And that white boy is going to knock you out in the third fight. I, I can see everything that you said happening. But regardless of all his sad-ass emotions, all his bitch-ass excuses and everything that he said, a fighter is a fighter, and they're going to fight, and I want to see the fight. Fuck that shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it is what it is. Like, aside from all the bitch-assness, you know what I'm saying, at least he's going to get in there and fight again, whether he gets knocked the fuck out or not. But, but he really, he may really just get knocked the fuck out. But regardless of the fact, he is getting in there and fighting, and I can't knock that. But I do hate all the bitch-assness and all the excuses. We don't stand for that out here. Not on manos a manos, hands to hands. Not at all. It's like, look, it's not necessarily if you get knocked down, if you get knocked out. I've said it multiple times. My favorite fighter of all time is Lennox Lewis, right? Lennox Lewis is knocked out twice. He took his lumps. He got knocked out by Oliver McCall. He came back. He avenged that with a knockout. He got knocked out by Hasim Rotman in Cape Town, South Africa. What did he do? He got him back with one of the most brutal, vicious knockouts in heavyweight history, in boxing history. That's how you settle scores. You don't settle scores by creating excuses and by throwing guys that have been your teacher, your mentor, your coach under the bus. It's just unacceptable. And he has yet to get up on the Internet, Instagram, uh, his Web page, wherever else, YouTube, and apologize to Mark Breland. Until he apologizes to Mark Breland, I'm really not going to have much positive to say about Deontay Wilder. And my prediction is exactly uh, the same as H Money's prediction. His mind ain't right. His body ain't right. Uh, he's been been um, exposed for what he is. You know, he's a guy who relied for many, many years on being able to land that one right hand punch. Right. It didn't drop for him. Uh, in the first fight. Well, it did, but then Fury got up and it didn't drop for him in the second fight. And Fury is, is as he said, <laughs> taking his mojo, uh, taking his soul, taking all of those things. And I'm actually disappointed in the fact that we're not going to see a Joshua fight, but I'm not against the the, the third fight. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be watching it. And I, I expect it to, to end much in the same way as the first, as the second one did. Kenny. I could definitely see it ending up the same way as the second one did. Uh, I I only saw one little clip of Deontay Wilder trying to throw little combos and little little feints and stuff. Uh, you know, 
I don't know what Deontay Wilder's been been up to. It could definitely end up being the same exact way as as the as the second fight. Excuse me. Uh, maybe he gets lucky and lands a right hand. Who knows? We'll see. That's his only weapon, really. And we've seen Tyson Fury come up like a zombie. You know what I'm saying? That man got up like he was unaffected. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so it could very well go the Tyson Fury's way. I don't see how it could go any other way. And we do have somebody in the comments who thinks that they who said that they think Deontay Wilder is, is going to win this fight. I mean, regardless of all the emotional aspect and all the trash talking that he's done to Mark Breland, the only way that I can see him winning this fight is uh, if he land if he could land that right hand more than one time because we've seen uh, uh, Tyson Fury it was landed once Tyson Fury got up like. After, after, yes, it, it, it was uh, like at the nine, nine, a nine count, but he still got up and he still kept on fighting. And he and he looked even better after he got knocked down than he did before he got knocked down. So, absolutely, uh, we're we're gonna close it out together, Kenny. I just want to give H Money uh, a chance to uh, drop the link to his channel because he's gonna be going live at nine. He's got an interview. You want to tell us about that interview, H Money? Yes, sir. Uh, thanks for having me, Maestro. Appreciate the opportunity. Um, I got an interview coming up in a little bit with Tyson Fury's teammate. He's a light heavyweight contender. His name is Ahmed Al-Abali. You know, um, he got 20 wins, 17 knockouts, only one loss to John Pascal. So he's a contender at the light heavyweight division. He trains with Tyson Fury and Sugar Hill. So uh, I'm going to get this interview out the way. I appreciate the opportunity. You guys come check me out once you guys are done. Thank you for having me, my brother. It was a, it was a great show. Appreciate it. Kenny, nice to meet you, bro. It's a pleasure to meet you, bro. I'll be checking your show out too after this. Absolutely. Thank you. We'll connect again soon, fam. Appreciate it. Sure. Thank you, guys. Peace. Thank you, H-Money. So, yeah, head over to H-Money Boxing uh, after. He's got a good interview lined up. Uh, I asked him to drop the link in the chat. Hopefully he did. I do want to just close out by talking about a man who is fighting this weekend on the undercard to the uh, Haney-Lenares fight. And I'm talking about Nonito uh, Donare. He's taking on Norbin Ubali, the uh, Frenchman, uh, at 118 pounds. I'm actually looking forward to this fight. I'm a big Nonito fan. Um, you know, I, th there's been a couple times that I've rooted against him just because of how much I like his opponent. Um, this is a fight where, you know, it's difficult. It's difficult for me because I think that he has uh, a shot here because he's got obviously punching power, uh, as we can see from a lot of his past performances. But he's taking on a very slick boxer in uh, in Ubali, uh, a guy who's much younger than him. And I think that Ubali is going to get the nod in this fight. Uh, just much in the way that Pacquiao's continuing to go on with his career, uh, his fellow Filipino warrior here in Nonito um, is still going strong. You know, again, the only there's only a couple times when I rooted against the dude. Uh, once was against uh, Rigo. Uh, I was at that fight live at the Garden, and the other was against um, the Monster Inoue, who I'm a huge fan of as well. And he uh, uh, he did very well in those fights. So he did lose, but he did uh, very well. Uh, Kenny, what are your thoughts on Nonito? 
I think Nonito's great. Like you said, he he's a, a older man that's uh daring to be legendary, fighting these young guys. Oh, Ubali, I don't know much about him. I just checked this, him out on Box Rec. Uh, and on Box Rec, I, I have to say, he doesn't, his record doesn't show too many amazing names. Uh, yeah, I can't really tell you uh, my opinion on how I think this fight is going to go until I do a little more uh, research on Ubali. But yeah, Nonito Donaire. He's definitely done his thing against several fighters. He continues to be legendary, and he's daring to continue fighting these young guys. I got to give the guy all the props and respect that he deserves. Absolutely. Uh, I think we got a call there on the uh, Skype line. If you want to call back and you were overseas, my fault. Um, I'll let you back in. I usually don't answer the un undisclosed numbers, but if you want to call back, I'll get you right on. If anybody else wants to call back, uh, the number is there on the screen. Uh, that is the uh, telephone number. It's 718-618-4284. Once again, it's 718-618-4284. That's right here in New York City. You can come and join me and Kenny T live. This is the Monday Mano a Mano live stream that we're going to continue to do. All right. It's only an hour. All right. We're not trying to go too long. We're not trying to. Uh, extend things longer than it needs to be. All right, one hour. We're going to drop what we got to say, and then we're going to support our fellow channels out there like H Money, like Raw Boxing, and um, send you in that direction. So let's see who we got over here. Hello. Uh, you are live on Monday Mano a Mano with Kenny T and Amilcar, Mr. Maestro. Ah, how are you doing, bro? Hello. Seems like it potentially did. Oh, there you go. Oh, Hello, there we go. Amilcar. Hello. Yeah, we're here. We're here live. Sorry about that. Hello. Hello, Amilcar. It's me, Hamid. How's it going? Oh, Hamid, man. How's it going, fam? Blast from... I'm good. I'm good, man. There you it's go. It's been a while, brother. It's been a while, man. Yeah, how you guys been, man? I I've caught a couple of uh, your shows. I know you've been co-hosted with Dave. And I've seen you sent... Uh, you posted in the... Hangouts group that you were going to go live. Uh, I was still awake. I had a couple of stuff to sort out. I just seen that you're live. I just thought I'd call in. But oh, thank you so much. When do you do your show? We're going to do be, your shows every Monday. We're going to be doing Monday. Uh, I'll, I'll ask Kenny to to come in when he can. I'll ask H Money to come in when he can. I'll ask D Style to come in when he can. All, all of my family here across the uh, YouTube boxing community. But I'll be going live yeah. Mondays at 8 right here on this channel every week, Monday at 8. All right. What happened to the show with Dave then? Do you still do, you still do that show and take calls? Or? I'm no longer the doing – No, I'm no longer doing uh, the other show. I'm just doing this show, and I'm going to be uh, doing um, shows on HCP as much as possible. So, like, uh, All right. Hispanic Causing Panic on Tuesday with D-Style and, um, and also uh, Uncensored with G-Funky. And Thursdays, I'll be on uh, D-Style's roundtable as well. All right, all right. Yeah, I was just wondering, because I was thinking, if you're, if you're on Leave It In The Ring on Monday, I was wondering how you're on today doing your show. But no doubt, no doubt. It's good, you guys. It's good to hear Kenny as well. It's good to hear you guys doing the show. I, I was just listening to a bit of what you talk about, the Wilder fight yeah. and all that. Yeah, go ahead. I, I wanted to talk, yeah, I wanted to talk a bit about that. I wanted to hear what you guys think as well. Regarding the first fight, 
I'm personally for Wilder regressed since since uh, the first Ortiz fight. I don't think he's looked that good. I know you you talked about this. I think last year, just before the first fight. I mean, just before the rematch on the leaving in the ring. I think I called in and I heard you talk about it. He, he, he looked like he regressed in the rematch with Ortiz and in the first and second fight with Fury. Uh, I don't think he looked that great. Now, granted, in the first fight, he did better than he did in the rematch. But Fury, I thought, was about 60-70% of, of what he was when he fought Klitschko and what he was in the rematch with Valder. And I remember I was getting a lot of heat from the American because I was in a lot of Facebook groups and I was trolling a bit and I was... You know, telling them at first that Fury's going to beat them. Then they start, you know, then they start they're ridiculing my pick and start saying Fury's going to get knocked out. And that. Then I start trolling them a bit. But I remember yeah. telling them, like, if Stevin could go 12 rounds and Dwarkos could go 11, Fury, Fury is half as good as he was. And I thought he was, because when I saw the Pianetta fight, that's when I thought he could outbox Wilder. And all he's going to take is for him to make Wilder miss. And he could go late than maybe even the distance and he should be able to maybe outbox him. I thought he may be able to hurt Wilder in the first fight but I don't think he was uh, what's it called near 100% that's why I don't think he was able to until the top front really hurt Wilder or not or even come close to knocking him out but I thought Fury was going to beat him in that first fight I know it was a dangerous fight and he didn't what's it called get that face or win but a lot of people didn't think he would he almost got knocked up but Wilder in the rematch, he made a lot of excuses. The game plan was not very good. I, I don't know what he could do in the third fight. The only thing I'm a bit worried about is I thought the other day Top Rank wanted Ramirez to win. So I think if there was no knockdown, he would have got the benefit of the doubt. And he would have. This fight with Walden Fury. Yeah, do you reckon if this fight with Walden Fury if is uh, competitive or if it's like anywhere, anything like the first fight? I'm not saying he will be. Do you reckon Fury could get a fair shake? Cause there, I, I, I think Fury might, might have. Ahmed, to answer your question, yeah, I, do, I, can't see, I cannot see a scenario where Deontay Wilder outboxes most of the top heavyweights in the division, let alone, to me, the guy that's by far the best heavyweight in the division in Fury. Uh, his only shot is what he did to, to Ortiz, and he was losing that fight until he got uh, the, the KO win against Ortiz. That's mm -hmm. the only shot against Fury, but I think Fury's figured it out. Um Deontay's a bad poker player in that he has a lot of tells in the ring. Fury can read those tells, and Fury is not going to get caught by Deontay Wilder's power punches. He telegraphs them. Not only that, I just don't think that this training camp with Malik Scott is going to really teach an old dog new tricks. Deontay Wilder's like 36, almost 37 years old. A short, even a longer training camp with Malik Scott is not going to change all of the embedded bad habits uh, that he has. It's just, I, I, I don't i don't really see it. Um, uh, Kenny? I, I, I don't know if I see this fight This fight going 12 rounds, honestly. Uh, they're both out there going for blood. Yeah. Tyson Fury, I don't think Tyson Fury is going to even, like he's going to try to make him look worse than he did in the last fight. I think they're, they're, they're both out here going for blood. This fight is going to end, I think, in a, in a vicious KO, and that's what I'm expecting, and that's what I want to see, too. <laughs> Absolutely. And before we go, yeah. because it's almost top of the hour, and I want to send people over to H Money and also want people to check out Raw Boxing TV, too. Uh, Hamed, you're out there in the U.K. Yeah. I know you're in Wales. Um, you're not English, just like yeah. uh, uh, Taylor's not English. 
Do you think the fact that yes. Taylor is Scottish played into like the lack of promotion overall of this fight in the UK? It wasn't promoted very well over here. My understanding was that it wasn't promoted very well over there. It wasn't on any major television. Uh, what are your thoughts on on the kind of the promotion of the Taylor fight? Yeah, well, there wasn't enough promotion. Before I go, I did, I did want to... I'll talk about this today. I want to make one, one last point about Wilder. Okay, okay go ahead. Go ahead. Before, before, I get, before I get to that, I'll, just, I'll talk about the question you answered. And Yeah, there was not enough promotion. Now, Eddie Hearn is very angry at Bob Barron because... He's saying he played him and he took him for a ride with the Joshua Fury negotiations, whatever. I agree. At the same time, I do think Hearn should have been a bit more careful. If you know the opposing party has got an arbitration case and a mediation of this, you maybe should have had a plan B and maybe should not take Bob for his word when Bob has on record said that he has lied in the past and then told the truth the day after. But regarding this, this goes back to last year. There was not enough promotion or any... I know this was a much bigger fight than that, that other fight, but Cal Brook and Crawford should have been on Sky Sports, and that was on a unknown channel. I managed to get get that count, but that what I was trying to say that fight was not mainstream, and it was a British fighter fighting for the world title. But and then you had Lomachenko Lopez, which Adam was pissed off about because they didn't even put it on TV in the UK, which was one of the biggest, the best fights last year, which was free on ESPN in America. But again, they put it on some unknown. Fight TV pay per view like uh, I I haven't paid for that since the Charlo double header because I think we get it milked now. A lot of these fights are not even pay per view in America. And getting to your point, yeah, Josh Taylor and Ramirez was for the undisputed titles, and the fact that it wasn't even on TV, I think the only coverage you had on anywhere like close to in the UK was it was on it was on BBC Radio, so that was the only chance if. Like you know, people were not aware or haven't got the internet could get any coverage of it. But there was, I thought there was a lack of promotion in America as well, and it was on ESPN. But at the same time, like that whole fight, I didn't think it was promoted well, and it was heavily missed. What's the word? Mismanaged as well. Like I think they could have put it in a different place. I know they wanted the money from Vegas, and that's why they put it in Vegas. But you could have put it somewhere where you could have had a crowd, maybe in Texas. I'm not saying it would have been 60,000, like Canelo, but at least you could have put it in front of a crowd where there would have been Josh Taylor's fans clean enough. And even if uh, they weren't able to because of, I think, the COVID restriction, at least you could have had like actual boxing fans, enough of them to be at the fight. And in the UK, it's not a good look. I mean, it wasn't even on TV. I know it was on the Fight TV app or Fight TV app, whatever it was, but this is a big fight. This should be on... If, if you're not going to put it on pay-per-view because it's 4 or 5 in the morning or 3 in the morning, at least put it on Sky Sports or BT Sports or, you know, Box Nation or something like that. So people are, are able to access the fight. But I think it was worse, the fact that it's in the UK. And you're probably right, because it's Scottish. Some of these people probably were like, we don't give a damn because you're not English that we're not going to put it on. But he's still a British fighter and there should have been some sort of coverage. But... This is not the first time this happened. I remember when Jermaine Taylor fought Carl Fort. This was a big fight and a good fight as well. And ITV kind of dropped the ball. They didn't even show that. They, they put down a, they actually put down pay-per-view on some internet website and ITV ended up showing the highlights. So I did not know the results. So I didn't know what the fight until Sunday Sunday night the Fort and Taylor fight. And I think it was live on Showtime in America. But like this is a problem in the UK. I remember Kovalev and... Uh, LD Alvarez, 
not even one TV station outlet picked that up. And I remember I was watching on HBO stream, couple of get got knocked out. So I just think um, in the UK is not enough. I think broadcasters are interested in boxing because the terrestrial, terrestrial TV stations have all dropped boxing, and they they have no interest. I think only Channel Five has shown some sort of boxing. But in America, I'm I'm a bit more disappointed because. I think they could have at least promoted him more. It should have been a much bigger fight. It should have been a much bigger fight. Absolutely. Yeah. And the last thing, uh, before, before I go, I agree with a lot of the things you're saying on Wilder, but were you guys impressed with Wilder having boxed against Stavin? I know that was six years ago. I know it was only Bim and Stavin, but and that was one of the few fights. I know it was against one of arguably the worst heavyweight title holders. He actually stuck to a game plan and he, throw, he showed He had a good jab and he threw a very good jab in that fight and followed up with the right hand. I'm not sure if, like, if he stays, if he sticks to a game plan. Because in that first fight, he did manage to bust up Fury a bit. Like Fury, I know Fury was not 100%, but Fury was bleeding from the nose. And yeah. Fury had to reset because the jab, the jab was in Fury's face. So Wilder has got a good jab. I'm not saying it's better than Joshua Fury's, but he has got a good jab. Just he does not throw enough to set the right hand up. But see, if he is jabbing and work into a game line. Do you think, um, I don't know, do you think uh, he, he can work on something? Because I'm not sure if you guys were impressed with that. I think, I think, he, I think, fight. I think he can definitely improve. I mean, JD's is not a good trader. I mean, JD's is not good in the corner. Uh, from what I've seen in terms of training footage, he's not very good in terms of the preparation side of things either. Uh, so there may be a, an improvement, but he's fought so long Uh, as someone that kind of guides his own ship and does whatever he wants to do in training. And look, Mark Breland said it. He doesn't really listen to anybody. Um, I don't know why he's going to start to listen to a guy that he knocked out, supposedly, because it looked like the guy kind of took a dive against him. Um, and I just don't think he's got the skill set, honestly, to fuck with Fury. Um, I, I think Fury's I gonna, I, th I think overall... Fury's gonna knock him out. So, uh, my, my last comment before we go, my last comment. I, I do want to say, yeah, I do want to say, Mike Tyson's uh, statement was everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. And you know what, Tyson Fury, uh, not Tyson, Deontay Wilder's gonna go in there with this whole plan. I'm a box. I'm gonna get my jab in. Blah, blah, blah. Then he's gonna get punched in the face. And he's gonna go right back to trying to land that right hand. That's it. I'm done. No, I, I, that, that's a good point. So, Hamid, to answer your first question Good earlier, uh, you can catch me yeah. here Mondays at 8. Tomorrow I'm going to be on with D-Style Boxing on Hispanics Causing Panic. Shout out to HCP. I'll be uh, co-hosting with yeah. G-Funky. Uh, he's got an interview lined up with uh, 2-0 prospect Armani Almastica. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and then also Christine Lopez in the ring with Christine is going to be on the show as well. Always good talking boxing with her. Uh, Wednesdays, uh, it's G Funky Boxing. People should check that out. And Thursdays, you can catch me on the roundtable, also on D-Style Boxing. And, Hamed, anytime you're doing something, I'll be jumping on that, too, yeah. as long as as long as long time uh, permits, brother. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you know. Good to speak to you. I, I will say one last thing. Before Go you. ahead. The Fury Wilder fight, may, it may have been in the back plans for uh, top rank and Adam because they knew all along. But I will say one thing. I personally don't think Waldo will win this fight because I said this before the first fight. If Klitschko wasn't good enough to land his right hand or beat uh, Fury, even if he was at his worst and Fury was at 
pretty much his best in that first in that fight between Christopher Fury. I just don't think Wilder's got the IQ, but I could see Wilder making it more competitive than the rematch because I think Fury may have been been at his best in the rematch. Wilder was pretty much at his worst, and I, I think he just he did not know what was coming to. It looked like a lightning struck him. Look at his eyes. So I think someone put this up. I remember a YouTuber will Wilder be the same after the rematch? I think he either makes him or breaks him. But I could see him kind of doing. What Roy Jones did with Tava in that fifth fight, I believe he lost, but it was like it was a. I think it was a competitive fight or whatever. I don't know if it's that competitive, but he went the distance, and I think Tava won. A, I think it was a white decision. I can't remember exact the exact score, but I can see that maybe Fury drops him and because his corner don't want to stop it. I can see it go the distance, but I agree. I think it's a bit too late to get Wilder now to teach him anything, but at the same time, I do think Wilder. Wilder did, uh, uh, what's the word? He did uh, benefit from the fact that Fury didn't uh, try and push and get this rematch then earlier this year or sometime last year. I know some of it wasn't his fault on his team because of COVID, but Wilder's had about over, what is it, 14, 15 months now to prepare for Fury. And this is the guy who's fought twice. So I do think I would be really shocked if he does one time against the rematch or if not worse. I think it will be a bit more competitive at the same time. I just can't see him beat Fury. The only thing I could see him winning this fight is based on Fury completely just, what's it called? Completely, you know, messing up on Fury beating, uh, like Fury over, not training or being overconfident. Because I think the only guy right now outside Anthony Joshua is probably who has a chance against Fury is Fury himself. I think if Fury self-destructs, he beats himself. I think the only guy I think maybe beats Fury in the division is Joshua. Apart from that, I don't think uh, Wilder is good enough. But uh, thanks for taking my call. I will definitely be tuning in to you guys. Please do Monday and the please rest do, of the man. Eight p.m. Eight p.m. Good. Thank you, thank you, thank you, uh, Hamed. Hamed, long time uh, uh, caller. There, I've been I've been talking boxing with him for for years now. So great to hear him again. Uh, please continue to listen in, Nando. Thanks so much. So, uh, Kenny, last thoughts, and then we're gonna close this out. Last thoughts. It's been amazing being here. This is a great show. Let's continue doing it. And uh, I knew that the AJ versus Fury fight was not going to happen. I knew that for a fact. Everybody was talking about, yeah, contrast. No, no. I knew for a fact it wasn't going to happen because Deontay Wilder was taking Fury to court. And because they had that clause in their contract, I knew for a fact that Deontay Wilder was going to win that court case and that there was going to be a Deontay Wilder Tyson Fury 3. That's all. I'm done. You guys have a great evening. Thank you for watching.